doing today? Good? Bad? Maybe? Just okay? I don't know. You tell me. So today we are recording episode number five and we have some stats in front of us. Pretty interesting stats. We had a total plays of 44 for this channel and estimated audience size of 11. Not bad. 11 per episode. That's a new high uh, because previously we were at 10 or 8. And here's one interesting thing. We have listeners from the US as well as Switzerland. And um, on top of that, other than Anchor, Apple Podcast, we have listeners from Breaker, Spotify, and the web. And uh, this is really exciting for me uh, personally because it just shows the power of the internet and how even the silliest of ideas can be pushed towards uh, the ends of the earth. So we are on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. So this is something that is not going to lose momentum. And I've also updated the name of the podcast from Anointed to The Anointed by George Kuruvilla because it sounded much more uh, important, I believe. So it was good. And I had a fantastic week as well. I'm a little under the weather, but man's got to do what a man's got to do. Record the next episode. So here we are. So today I have a really interesting subject to talk about. And it all started with a really interesting lunch I had a couple of days ago. Have you heard of the Impossible Burger? It's pretty big in the US and it made its appearance in Singapore. What is fascinating about the Impossible Burger is that the beef patty is not beef. But it has all the characteristics of a beef patty. The texture, the taste, it even had blood. It is all done by the research and development by Dr. Patrick O'Brown, who is the founder and CEO of Impossible Foods. And uh, they realized uh, more than anything that by just replacing meat with soy and other substances, they realized that they could replicate the blood that was found in the meat and they replaced it with a substance called HEM, H-E-M-E, and it was a protein that he could replicate from the roots of the soya bean plant. You know, most of the time I'm a big beef lover and what he said during his research to replicate the taste was beef had a slight metallic taste and an aroma of blood and that innovation gave Impossible Burger its meteoric rise. Uh, it's a plant-based burger, 100%. It was reverse engineered to replicate the flavors, the flavors, the texture of the beef. And it's now in more than 5,000 restaurants around the globe. Uh, so, you know, Dr. Patrick is from Stanford uh, as, uh, and he's a biochemist uh, professor and he devoted, uh, you know, he took a sabbatical of 18 months to do research and that is how he founded the company. Uh, so he all st he started this business or this research by saying, what makes meat taste like meat? And his team went in 
uh, it went from the raw appearance of meat to the sizzle, the smell, the taste, the nutrition. And he built a company from a food-based company into a food technology company and he launched Impossible Burger. Here's the fascinating thing. What I realized later on during my research was in last year, August, Bill Gates invested his money. And here's the amazing thing from a Singapore standpoint. Singapore's Temasek Holding invested $114 million into the company. And that is why it is now open uh, in Singapore. And here's the, the most interesting thing about Impossible Burger. They are not a standalone restaurant. They are just an additional menu item on existing restaurant offerings. So this is insane. And uh, here are some one sentence reviews from Gizmodo that says, Impossible Burger is stupid delicious. The Thriller says it's just delicious. CNET says the Impossible Burger 2.0 taste like beef, really. It came to Singapore in March and uh, it started showing up on my social media feed. Remember, I was off social media in February and uh, I am back and guess what, I see this. And I was like, man, I gotta have it because I read a lot about it in uh, on uh, Fast Company Inc. Uh, a lot of the websites and thankfully the, the the burger was offered near my workplace in one of the delis and uh, I decided to hop in uh, last Wednesday uh, so this restaurant is called the Park Bench Delhi it's a it's a vegan deli I believe and it was crowded right uh, the other restaurants are in Singapore are one of Gordon Ramsay's uh, Bread Street Kitchen, there is Potato Head Singapore, Privé Orchard, uh, Three Buns by the Quayside. There are other restaurants in Singapore that sells it. Uh, so when I went inside Park, ben Be Park Bench Deli, see I'm already drooling right now, it was crowded. They had long queues and people were looking around to see if anyone had the burger in hand. I spotted none. And I was thinking, did no one know about this? And I just went on and I saw a couple of folks holding a sandwich and happily chatting with their kombuchas on the other hand. And I thought to myself, what a bunch of hippies. So I walk up to the cashier and I said that I wanted the Impossible Burger. And she says, oh, we ran out of the burger buns. Would I be fine with the sandwich bread instead? To that, I said, Nay. Okay, all kidding aside, bread is bread, right? So I said, it's fine. I'll have it with the sandwich bread. But there should be no compromise on my patty. So the big question is, how did they do it? Because the Impossible Burger is currently served in most restaurants and is mostly made of wheat, potato protein, coconut oil, and the secret ingredient, the hemp the same breakdown of macro and micronutrients in meat from cows. The ingredients go from water, tex textured wheat protein, coconut oil, natural flavors, blah, blah, blah. So you can pretty much catch it online. But here's the end note in most of the stuff they write online. It says that each restaurant 
puts its own spin on the Impossible Burger. So if you're curious about the ingredient in a specific restaurant uh, of in the preparation of the Impossible Burger, please reach out to the restaurant directly, which also says that they just provide the raw material and they will not be controlling how they execute based on the raw material. So it's little control they have on how restaurants use it. They could use it for their lasagna. They could use it for their pasta. They could even use exactly the same recipe for their burger. But they give uh, the restaurants full autonomy on how they want to execute it. Here's the question. Is it safe considering it's modified food? The FDA, FDA declared that meat-free impossible burgers is safe to eat and impossible foods meat substitute is now generally recognized as safe for human consumption. And uh, those are one of the most highly featured points if you go to the Impossible Burger website. And um, that's what they say. And here's the question, is Impossible Burger really healthy considering what are the nutritional facts and what goes into it and all that? The Impossible Burger was made to be better than meat in every way, says the website. Taste, environment, impact, of course, nutrition. Uh, they use bioavailable proteins like iron and iron and fat content and 80 to 20, uh, you know, ground beef from cows and it has zero cholesterol. But we know that cholesterol doesn't come from cholesterol, right? And uh, the most important question for the podcast is this. What's the final verdict? To me, it tasted amazing. I could not believe it was a plant-based burger. It was not tofu because, you know, tofu is popular among the vegans and the vegetarians in Singapore. It was not tofu. It was not some kind of legumes or dal or leaves or spinach mix. It looked and the texture was on par with a beef burger. The blood, the pink center. How? What kind of sorcery is this? I googled for three hours in and out after my lunch to see if there was some article that pointed to the direction that said they used meat. I could not find one. The FDA approves it as well. But here's the downside. It was greasy and it was expensive. That's right. You heard it right. It was greasy. That means they used more than enough oil to compensate for something because fats is an essential part, I believe, in a human on a human taste bud. And it was expensive. It cost me 23 Singapore dollars for just one burger. And these are not massive burgers. These are just the standard size, which would be on par to a McDonald's cheeseburger, I think. And uh, it was super greasy. So I believe that it could be because of the statement I read earlier that every restaurant has its own own spin on the impossible burger. So I get uh, I get it. So they want, did not want to uh, lose out on the fat, I believe. So they just made it as greasy as possible. Who knows? There's butter or some kind of weird stuff on it. Oh, vegan butter. I don't know if there's such a thing. So here's the most important question that I thought to myself, the impossible foods mandate or their vision looks really noble. 
they want to save the environment they want to remove away or take us away from the addiction from beef and they created this that's on par with beef the question is is it really sustainable because most of the time we just look at the end product and think this is fantastic we should go with it uh in singapore one of the weird movements that has started is to say no to plastic straws and uh, plastic uh, utensils or you know bottles and things like that and what you realize is now there's a huge surge in stainless steel flasks and bottles and straws but the question is this is that sustainable because the issue that we have with global warming and wastage is your consumer behavior because it wasn't plastic that that had the issue it's your addiction to buy new things you have a new phone every 3 months or every year even though your phone is working perfectly fine you have five pairs of headphones you have 10 bottles just lying around your home think about even tesla it's your addiction to be on a four wheeler and not use the public transport that leads to huge uh, greenhouse gas emissions think about it tesla is an electric car where do you think the electricity comes from it comes from the coal and the diesel that's being burned in some some you know facility out there that produces the electricity and you are basically buying a tesla to offset that carbon to someone else or even a different nation let's say that you have a completely fine uh, recycle uh, you know policy all you're doing is exporting all the wastage to a third world country where they'll deal with the waste the earth still has the same amount of crap as the day it found it lithium ion batteries these are the most polluted things that you can find rare earth the kind of mining they do in china and and in different parts of the world just ruins the way earth uh, is being sustained right now and uh, these are also made in the most pollutant grids on earth wheat included think about biofuel you have biofuel where they cut deforest massive amounts of land to create ethanol or some kind of biofuel and you're losing out on forest land to create farmlands and guess what happens you lose the whole ball game in the end It sounds nice when you write it on paper but you are destroying the earth with your addictions and that's what i felt at the end of the day it's not my it's not the material that's the issue it's my addiction and i'm an addict uh, you know i'm a i'm a huge addict i'm from singapore that means we love shopping and um, i love buying new things every now and then but what has been convicting me for the last few months and years is my habits to keep buying new things and instead of finding an alternative to feed consumerism why not use less have you considered walking eating only what you need do you need an extra plate for your fries or a container for your sauces do you need 10 pairs of shoes or 5 headphones people assume that changing from plastic straws to paper will save the planet it won't change your habit and change the world This is George Kurovala from The Anointed and in the next episode I will be discussing about